We're joined by author and former minor leaguer Mike Robbins to discuss team dynamics during a pandemic. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-crews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, October 9th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm not only here with Derek Van Riper, as is normally the case here on Fantasy Baseball in 15, but we have a special guest here. We've got Mike Robbins with us. Uh, Mike is the author of five books. Uh, Most recently, we're all in this together, and he's the host of a podcast with the exact same name. Uh, Mike is a public speaker and a consultant, and uh, well, (laughs) I could go on and on. Mike's done a lot, but uh, Mike, uh, I'll just welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, uh, we're, we're glad to have you on. And um, for folks who have been you know, listening to a lot of our episodes the last couple of weeks, you know, I've said that I, I've wanted to get some a variety of different people on here to talk about what this 2020 season was like uh, from a, a a variety of perspectives. Uh, you know, we've already talked to one of our beat writers, Britt Giroli, and how this uh, season posed unique challenges for her. Um, part of your consulting work is with Major League Baseball teams. So I'm wondering if you can just start us off by telling us a little bit about the type of consulting that you do um, and how that may be different uh, for in your work with uh, Major League teams. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I played, as you alluded to in my intro at Stanford, and then got a chance to play in the minor leagues with Kansas City back in the 90s before I got hurt. So, I've, you know, baseball was my life, my whole life up to the age of 25. Um, but I've had my consulting business out for the last 20 years that focuses a lot on teamwork and leadership and culture. Um, but I've had a chance to partner with a number of teams in Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Braves, the Astros and the A's, as well as Major League Baseball. And this year, in 2020, the specific work that I've done is with the Astros and with Major League Baseball. Um, but I've stayed in touch with some of my other clients as well, you know, the Giants and and uh, and, the, and the A's and some of the other teams. So, you know, sort of have a little bit of a sense of kind of what's going on um, with some of the clubs and just with the league as a whole, which obviously, as everybody knows, it's been crazy. Um So it's been an interesting year, to say the least, for most of the organizations and for Major League Baseball as a whole. Yeah, so how have you had to adapt your business, given that we're all remote this year and that everything is so strange across the board like what's been different about the work you've done in 2020 specifically well for me i mean my book we're all in this together came out it was supposed to come out may 5th we ended up moving it up a couple weeks because the title we're all in this together seemed to really resonate (laughs) but i mean i spend and have spent most of my time over the last 20 years traveling around the country and around the world giving speeches and presentations and you know, working with teams, not just in, you know, Major League Baseball and pro sports, but, you know, companies like Google and Microsoft and Wells Fargo. And so, you know, I've been sitting here in my office as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, giving presentations on Zoom to, you know, to groups. I mean, specifically, like I was supposed to go out and speak to um, the Houston Astros front office in April, and they were scheduled to be playing the Mets that night. And my friend, my old former teammate, Brody Van Wagenen, is the GM of the Mets. We played at Stanford together. 
Um, and I was going to, this was the second time I was going to come in over the last couple of years to talk to the Astros front office. Of course, you know, the season got postponed and delayed. And at that time, we didn't know what was going to happen. So what we ended up doing was, I think it was early May, I did a virtual presentation for the whole Astros organization. And at that time, they, like most Major League Baseball teams, did not know, A, if there was even going to be a season, and B, if there was a season, how many games and what was going to happen. So a lot of, think of all the people in front office, not just on the baseball operations side, like the GM and the farm director and all the people that make decisions about players, but everybody who works in ticket sales and marketing and all of the business operations that run a Major League Baseball team, They've got no tickets to sell. They've got no sponsorships to sell. They don't know what's happening. And most of the teams have had to do some versions of furloughs and layoffs and different things over the course of this season just to manage through, you know, the uncertainty of all of it. And look, I mean, we're in the middle of the playoffs and the World Series is coming, but we still don't know what next season looks like. So a lot of these teams right now are trying to figure out what do we do? How do we sort of downsize or right size for the moment so we can get through this time until we get back to whatever it's going to look like on the other side of the pandemic. Um, you know, so that's a little bit of how my business has evolved. I'm talking to most of my clients that way. And for major league baseball teams, you know, a lot of them are still really, um, in an unknown place of uncertainty, not sure how this all plays out. So Mike, in your work with the Astros or with MLB or, or really anybody that you've worked with in baseball this year, had, had they ever called you in just to deal with the specific challenges that have arisen because of the, the pandemic, the uncertainty, all the, the new demands uh, that are, are placed on organizations? I, I did get a call from Major League Baseball um, back in May and ended up doing a virtual presentation for all the heads of ticket sales for all the teams. We did it again, it was a Zoom thing. And that was specifically focused on how do you as a leader manage yourself and your teams through this time of uncertainty, which is a lot of the the work that I do. You know, the thing with the Astros was more focused. I was supposed to come and work with them and talk to them more about, you know, they obviously have gone through a lot of change and challenge over the last year with everything they've been through. But how do they sort of manage, you know, their culture and the morale? And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And that was the case. But, you know, having stayed in touch with my friends at the Giants and the A's and talked to my old teammate, you know, Brody Van Wagen and at the Mets, what I know is that a lot of the difficulty that a lot of the teams are facing. Again, there's everything going on in the field, which is its own challenge, as we all know. And it's so up in the air in a lot of ways in this crazy short 60-game season. And then what happens? And we're in the middle of the postseason and sort of anything can happen. Anyone can get in. You know, the Astros finished with an under 500 record and, you know, they're on the brink of, con- of maybe continuing on and, and moving on and making it back to the ALCS, which is remarkable when you think about it from a baseball standpoint. But again, from a business standpoint, and the work that I've done with teams over the years has been mostly on the business side with their front offices, although the Diamondbacks and the Giants have brought me in over the years to speak at spring training to the players because I have a background as a player, even though I didn't you know, pitch in the big leagues. I played baseball for all those years. So, so much of the work that I do is really about the mindset that it takes to be successful individually, but also collectively, how do you, um, you know, deal with ups and downs and and difficulties, not just related to the pandemic, but as we all know, baseball's filled with so much failure. It's ridiculous. I often think about last year's World Series champion, right? You think about how many games the Nationals lost. I think they lost 69 games in the regular season and another five games in the postseason before they won game seven on the road in Houston last year, which no one expected them to do. Like, 
they lost 41% of their games and still won the World Series. That's a lot of losing. In most businesses, you don't lose that much and then ultimately become the winner, the champion, right? So in baseball at every level, even as a fan, even in fantasy baseball, we have to deal with making mistakes and messing it up and then figuring out how to turn it around once we mess up. It's just part of the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, one thing I've wondered about for a long time on the player development side is how do teams try and help players cope with failure? Because when a player goes into the minor leagues, they've been the best player on every field they stepped on to that point in most cases, other than maybe like a showcase game. And everybody's going to find a level where they're no longer the best player on the field anymore. And that's hard. And in your opinion, are there some teams that have done a better job of, of working with minor leaguers in that way and kind of helping them work through that process? Because that seems like a, a big part of player development. You know, it's it's a great question. When I was, so I got drafted by the Royals in 1995 and got hurt in 97 and then had Tommy John surgery and my career was finally over in 99. In the mid-90s when I was playing, it was just starting to become a thing. Like John Smoltz was one of the first all-star players to come out and say, I worked with a sports psychologist. It really helped me turn my game around and that was like a big deal. Like Smoltz went from having a terrible year to like winning the Cy Young. And he, he gave a lot of credit to his sports psychologist. And most teams, the Royals, even back in the 90s, brought in kind of a sports psychologist, mental fitness coach. Almost all of the teams have, if not one, multiple people on staff now that help. And most of the players have someone as part of their sort of entourage or, you know, people that help them, not just, you know, someone who helps them with their swing and helps them with fitness and all this, right? So it's become so much more mainstreamed. Um, And I would say, you know, there are a bunch of teams that do a really great job on that front. You know, the teams that I'm most familiar with and connected with are our two teams out here in the Bay Area, the Giants and the A's. And both of them, both what they have internally in supporting their players with that. But also, again, these players are now smart enough. And of course, they have the resources that if they're open minded to it and they see the result, it's really amazing to see what some of them, you know, do. You take somebody like Hunter Pence, who was really public about this and doing things like yoga and meditation. And it was like, okay, all of these things factor into helping you not only be good physically, but also mentally and emotionally, because baseball is filled with so much failure. And that's one of the hardest things, especially when guys get to the big leagues. Because like you said, I mean, they've been the best player on every team. And then you get to the major leagues. And it's like every guy there was the best player on every team. So you're not going to be able to be the best player. And I found even in my own career, that was a challenge at every level. You move to the next level and you're like, oh, 
now everybody's in the same boat. We were all that guy on that at that last level. Can we continue to do it at this level and keep going? And a lot of the guys in the big leagues, as talented as they are physically, one of the main reasons that they've been able to get there, and if any of them have had some success, is because they've figured out how to deal with it mentally and emotionally, which is one of the hardest parts of baseball. Yeah, well, you know, Mike, uh, how I first met you was trying to get more of a bead on this, uh, you know, kind of the mental aspect uh, of baseball, the mental aspect of sports, and, and um, you know, I reached out to you. And, and um, I've been struggling with this for, you know, really the five or so years since we, we first connected because it just it this is something that just doesn't seem to lend itself to the same kind of like quantification and benchmarking and all that. But given that this is something that, you know, you're doing professionally, are there certain things you look for, you know, certain benchmarks to know if a team is moving in the right direction in terms of developing, you know, chemistry or the certain kinds of leadership that that you would espouse you know, look, it's a good question. It is hard to quantify. I mean, it's intangible by nature. You know, and one of the questions I, when I'm talking to groups, I'll often say, how many of you have ever been a part of a team or leading a team where the talent on the team was good, but the team didn't perform very well? And of course, everybody can relate to that, right? I say, but on the flip side, have you ever been a part of a team or leading a team where not like every single person on the team in and of themselves was a rock star, but something about the team just kind of worked and the team really performed? And everybody says, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've been fascinated by this my whole life. Like, that's basically what team chemistry is. And one of the things, like, I think about a team that I've worked with a lot over the last decade, an organization, the San Francisco Giants. And when I first started partnering with the Giants in 2010, they invited me in to speak to the front office. But as I got to talk to, you know, their owner and their general manager, and, and of course, with my baseball background, we were talking about not just the organization and the front office, but the players. And they had a really young team interesting, some good talent, you know, Lincecum and Kane were their pitchers and Posey was maybe going to come up from the minor leagues and Pablo Sandoval had had a pretty good year the year before, but they were like, Hey, we think we're a couple years away from being really good. You know, Bumgarner was in the minors, I think that year too. And it, what they didn't realize was what they had naturally was some really good chemistry. And as those guys came to the big leagues and they started to have some success, if you remember that season, I mean, this is a decade ago, but like they snuck into the playoffs on the last day of the season, which was like a huge win for them. They won the West. The Padres had a rough September and the Giants just snuck in. And then they were like, hey, we're playing with the house's money. What the heck? They'd grown their beards long and they were kind of quirky. And then they got on a run and they ended up winning the World Series, which surprised everybody because it was like kind of like the Nats last year or the Royals in 15. It's like, well, they shouldn't have really won the World Series, but they did. And then they came back and did it two years later. And then they did it two years after that. They won three titles in five years. And look, they had a couple. I mean, Bumgarner had an unbelievable postseason in 14. And they had Posey. And they, but they didn't have like a stacked roster that on paper you would have said they should have won any of those World Series titles. But what the Giants really did during that run was double down and triple down on making sure they got guys that fit their culture. And understood, this is how we play. This is what we do. This is how we operate. And it's hard to quantify, but you can look at it and say, they won three titles in five years when really on paper, I don't think most of the experts would have, should have said they would have won, but they did. So again, I think it takes sometimes, oftentimes what great chemistry is about is dealing with egos and not having it have to be about one individual or superstar. It's more about the collective. It seems more important this season than in others even to have that chemistry because players got to feed off each other right now. Yes. There, there are no fans in the stands, right? I mean, the cardboard cutouts just don't make enough noise. And you're seeing <laughs> that in the postseason especially. But I think the most fascinated by the Padres because 
Yep. They brought in Manny Machado as a big free agent. They brought in Eric Hosmer as a high-priced free agent. Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't been there that long. A bunch of other guys there, Trent Grisham, Tommy Pham, Jerickson Profar, Austin Nola, Jake Cronenworth, they were all acquired via trade, and yet they kind of have this feel, at least from 1,500 miles away, of a team that's known each other for five-plus years and played together for a long time. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? How have they been able to make that team so cohesive so quickly? You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know those guys and haven't worked with the Padres, but one of the things about playing in San Diego, and look, the Padres organization has struggled over the years, although there's something kind of like playing in Oakland, not a ton of pressure on you. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the Yankees. It's not the Cubs. So, you know, look, those guys were paid a lot of money in, in some cases, but sometimes something just works. And if the manager can kind of facilitate it, but get out of the way and let those guys just have some fun and not take it too seriously, because that's the thing about baseball, even in the postseason, and especially this year, again, with no fans, it's like, you got to be able to relax. You know, I used to have a coach that always talked about fire and ice. You got to have both some fire, some passion, but some ice, because you can't get too high or too low. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out with the Padres, but they've been really fun to watch this year. And they do seem to have some really great chemistry. Mike, uh, just going to wrap up here because, you know, we've spent the last few minutes talking about chemistry and I know that, or I'm, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe some people in our audience are being skeptical about this, uh, you know, we, cause sure. again, <laughs> we tend to focus on the, the quantitative. Uh, right. so if you could make a, a pitch here, uh, just to wind up, uh, as to how, you know, why chemistry matters or, you know, how do we know? I, look, I think, again, it, it comes down to, and especially in the postseason, right? Look, numbers matter. Numbers matter in baseball more than any other sport. And people who follow fantasy baseball, it's all about statistics. It's all about numbers. It's all about what you can track. However, and I don't mean to sound corny about this, but you can't track somebody's heart and the ability to show up in a big spot. Most baseball games come down to two or three pitches, unless it's a blowout. And it's who's going to win those moments. And in the postseason, it's more about heart than it is about skill. It's more about being able to execute in the moment when it's necessary than it is about, again, I know I'm going backwards and talking about local teams here, but I mean, how is, was Madison Bumgarner able to be that successful in the postseason over all those years when he had good regular seasons, but there was something about him? Somebody like Eric Hosmer a number of years ago step up in the postseason. Way back in the day, Reggie Jackson, who was a great player, but played incredibly well in October. There were some things about those players that like, those are intangible things. Yeah, it's about stats and it's about skill, but it's about being able to show up in those big moments. Well... Uh, you know, in a short amount of time, uh, that that's a pretty darn good case. So with the, some excellent examples. And uh, Mike, I wish we could dig into that a little bit longer, but uh, we're going to have to wrap up here. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us and uh, hopefully we can continue the conversation uh, at some point. Thanks, man. Well, so uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So for Mike Robbins and Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be right back here on Monday. 